and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Azband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Kitin, daf Tzadi, the last daf of Masachet Kitin. Join us tomorrow for Kiddushin. Um, okay, we have a mission at the very top of the daf. I'm going to say, Yerdena, I think this is a little bit unusual. I haven't done any kind of comparison, but I feel like starting in with a new Mishnah on the very last daf, I, I, it feels unusual to me. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Review. I don't think that's happened yet, but right, right, exactly. It's certainly it's not the way it always works. Here we go. So first of all, I want to just note that we have had very little philosophy about divorce, about marriage, about divorce throughout. We can glean whatever we can, and I hope, you know, we've done some of that. But here, Bechan, I should say straight up, a man is not a husband, is not allowed to divorce his wife unless he finds there to be a problem in the realm of, and for Bechan, I specifically, something in the realm of promiscuity, sexual intercourse, something that has been, you know, a, a violation, I suppose, of the of the marriage between between them to begin with. But what I find most interesting here is the phrasing Lo meaning the principle is you don't you don't start with divorce. You start with being once you're married, you start with being married and you don't rush to divorce unless and then for Bechamai he wants to um fulfill the verse where it talks about divorce specifically when there's this like uh, you know inappropriateness, promiscuity, something that, again, as I say, that violates the covenant of the marriage. Beit Hill, of course, is going to have a more lenient approach. Beit Hill says, they say, um, he can divorce her even over a, over a small thing. Namely, the example is, what if he, what if she, the wife, burned the food? And then why? He uses the exact same verse because meaning he doesn't see it to be literal ervat davar that there's a nakedness in the thing that has gone wrong, but rather, um, you know, any anything that he could complain about, that's sufficient reason to divorce. So I, you know, I think there's some marriages that fall on the basis of very very big problems, and some that can fall on you know an accumulation of small problems. I think Beit Shammai and Beit Hill have conquered the range of that right here in their machloket. Rabbi Kiva comes and he says, Rabbi Kiva Omer, Afilu acheret People don't like the statement of Rabbi Kiva so much. They like Rabbi Kiva in general, but not this statement. Namely, he could divorce her even if he found another woman whom he likes better. It says he was na'ehimena, who was presumably we translate that to be better looking, more pleasant looking. Than the first wife, because the verse in Devarim goes on to say, if it would come to pass that she does not find favor in his eyes, therefore the implication being, you know, her appearance or how she looks. If he finds somebody who looks better, that's reason enough. People do not like Rabbi Kiva on this. I will note that Rabbi Kiva himself had a long-suffering marriage, in the way that you know. He wasn't rushing to look for anybody else. So it might be that, he, you know, a matter of learning, that's what the text t- takes him to say, rather than he than that he was down on commitment. Because I think if we have any example of a commitment to marriage, it, Rabbi Kiva and his wife Rachel certainly demonstrate that. Um, Yardana, before I go on to the Gemara, do you have anything to add? 
Well, I interesting to Rabbi Akiva, who's really a few generations after uh, Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel, opinion appears with them in the Mishnah. So from just a historical point of view, having Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel in a Mishnah, sure, we see that all the time. But having Rabbi Akiva as sort of like a third option there, even though Rabbi Akiva comes about, you know, three generations later, is very interesting. Yeah, I think that is interesting. I'm going to wager that, again, it kind of shows the the full range of when divorce might, in fact, be warranted. And, you know, it really, from the very extreme to something really kind of mundane. Um, the Gemara here addresses this, you know, distinction between Beit Hill and Beit Shammai using the same verse to prove different things. Basically, Beit Shammai focuses on Erevat you know, the nakedness part of Ervat Davar, and Beit Hill focuses on the Davar, right, the thing of the Ervat Davar, and therefore we end up with, you know, a leg- two legitimate readings of the same verse. I want to move down to the Gemara on Rabbi Akiva's opinion, because obviously Rabbi Akiva's opinion, because it's, you know, disturbing and it kind of a little unpleasant, um, let's see what he has to say, well, let's see what the Gemara has to say on his on his take. Rabbi Akiva Omer, afilu acheret, but my so the Gemara wants to know what are they really disagreeing about? And they're disagreeing about Bidurish Lakish. The Gemara says there's a statement of Rish Lakish, the Amar Rish Lakish, Ki Mishamish Ba'arbal Shanot, E Dilma El Daha. What happens? Rish Lakish says there's the term Ki, right? Because the, the verse begins Ki, because um, uh, the, the question is if he found somebody more beautiful than the first wife, right? So Rish Lakish takes the word Ki from from anywhere in the biblical text, right? And he says it can be interpreted to mean one of four meanings. Namely, it can mean if, it can mean perhaps, or maybe, it can mean rather, like but, or da because. So what does it mean in this case that would, it would lead Rabbi Kiva to be saying this? So, Beit Shammai Savre, Vahaya im lotim sachin beinav, we're going to read Beit Shammai's understanding of the verse to be, you know, it comes to pass that if she finds no favor in his eyes, and then she's not finding favor in his eyes because of this sexual promiscuity issue. So, but Rabbi Kiva says that the he, like the word key there, means He's found something he didn't like about her. Not that it's necessarily a nakedness issue or a, a sexual impropriety issue. Um, but rather, again, that he's still going to use the word key to mean because, which is Rish Lakish's term, but he's using it in a in a different way. Um, so the fact is, you know, the I think the bottom line is that each of these different interpretations over when divorce would be suitable, they're all hearkening back to the biblical verse and looking to it to define when a divorce would matter, uh, would be possible, be possible, be recommended. I, I imagine, you know, he doesn't. nobody says a man has to divorce a wife because he found somebody else to be better looking. But the sexual impropriety, sometimes there you might actually, the woman might have to, we've talked about that. Um, okay. And then...
Um, okay, I'm going to stop here. There's, you know, the as I said, it's like it embarks on a whole new topic on the last off. Um, but I'm going to stop here in any case and leave it to you, your data now to close us out. So I think one of the things that's interesting about this Masachat is we're obviously talking about a very emotional issue and the Gemara hasn't weighed emotionally at all, right? They really have just dealt with divorce from a purely halachic point of view. What's considered to be an acceptable get, what isn't an acceptable get, how does the get have to be written, how do the witnesses sign it, how does it have to be paid by the woman? You know, it, it's, it's, it doesn't mention anything about... Uh, what's emotional about divorce. And also, when we, we've now done enough masachto together, uh, generally a masachat ends with sort of a discussion about shalom or the importance of learning Torah or uh, how chazal spread peace in the world, you know, something like that. And it's interesting that here uh, we actually end with talking about the topic of the masachat itself. And that's not usually how most masachto end. Uh, you know, we don't usually end with learning about something about Yvamas at the end. It, it, it wraps it up usually with a nice adotic teaching. And here, Gittin, sort of in the last piece, just takes this turn and says, okay, we went through all the halachot. Now we're going to talk about what's really hard about divorce. And what's interesting is, is that in this last passage, as much as we all know, and maybe again, I'm, I'm taking a very modern spin on this, you know, that there is sort of this inequity with divorce itself, right? That it basically has to be at the husband's initiation um, and and he has control over the process in a way that a woman doesn't. Um, but the blame sort of goes, the emotional piece goes solely to the man. And so it reads as follows. They basically quote here a pasuk from Malachi um, from chapter two, verse 16, that says, ki saneshalach, right? For I hate sending away, right? That's what Hashem says. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, im seneta shalach. Rabbi Yehuda says that this means that if you hate your wife, you send her away. In other words, you shouldn't continue living with a woman who you hate. And then Rabbi Yochanan comes and says, Rabbi Yochanan Omer, sanui hamishaleach, right? That it means someone who sends his wife away is hated by God. That in other words, someone who feels he needs to divorce his wife, that is an action that is hated by God. Below pliki. And so then the Gemara says they don't disagree. Right. This statement is about the first is is talking about the first marriage that one should basically tolerate his first wife and not divorce her. And that statement is talking about uh, the second marriage that uh, a husband should divorce his wife if he hates her. So that would be the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, whereas that first opinion of the second opinion of Rabbi Yochanan, right, which says that God hates you, uh, is talking about your first wife. And then the Gemara ends by quoting the two psukim that appear, two, two psukim that also appear in that chapter. Da'amar Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Elazar says, Right, then anyone who divorces his first wife, and again, the idea of the first wife is to say, this is like the, 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 the wife of your youth, this wife, you know, that you take when you are young when your whole life is ahead of you, when you are optimistic about love, about the world, right? Everyone acknowledges second marriages have their own level of complications. So we're specifically speaking about uh, first wives. And I think it's interesting that the halacha, that the rabbis understand that, right? They understand that there is a difference. And so the pasuk that he, when you divorce your first wife, even the misbeach cries, right? Even this inanimate object, it's so sad. The emotion is so overwhelming that it even feels, uh, it, it feels sadness. 
And then it quotes the Pesukim, Shenemar, V'zot shenitasu, Kasotima et Mizbeach Hashem, Bechi v'anaka me'in od pinot al Mizbeach, v'lakacha v'rtom miyadechem. Right, and so the Pesuk says, and this further you will do, you'll cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and with sighing, insomuch that he, meaning God, does not regard the offering anymore, nor does he receive it with goodwill from your hand. Meaning the Mizbeach is so going to be covered with sadness, it cannot receive your korbanot anymore. And then the second pasuk goes on to say, right, and you will say, what for, right? What? Why is the reason that the, the Mizbeach cannot accept this korbanot anymore, right? Alki Hashem Heid Banayach Uvein Eshed Nourayach Asher Atah Bagat Taba Vehi Chavartayach Veeshed Beritayach. Right, and so the reason for that is, is because the Lord has witnessed between you and the wife of your youth. And again, that word Nourayach should remind you of that famous pasuk in Yirmiyahu in chapter two. Right, Zacharti Lachesed Nourayach Avakulotayach that God remembers uh, the love of your youth. Right. Uh, but that basically that between God witnessed that between you and your wife, you, you were treacherous. You didn't deal well with her and that she was your companion and was the, the wife of your covenant. And that essentially like the responsibility for this marriage falls on the man. And so I think what's very interesting is that the Gemara is basically saying here, right? Yes. You know, husband, you get to control the, the divorce, but whether that marriage fails uh, or works, that's also going to be on you as well. Um, and uh, that's how this uh, Masachat ends. I mean, it ends very sadly because I think it ultimately recognizes like divorce is sad. Yes, we do say things like Mazel Tov at the end and, and we hope that people move on. But there's something sad when, when a chapter like this comes to a close. I think perhaps this is also why the Gemara doesn't reach that kind of like philosophical loveliness that we've seen at the end of some of the other Masachdot, right? That there, there's still, you know, we we spoke about this a bit in the Siyum, different people spoke about it, that there's like this ongoing need to come back to Masach HaKitin because in modernity, we have concerns about making sure that Gittin is a more equitable experience nowadays. Um, and, and it still is not. And we're not suggesting really, I'm not suggesting anyway, that the Halacha can be other than it is, on the other hand, the application of it and the implications of it are really hard. The idea that we keep coming back to it because there's a concern that, you know, let's let's diminish the pain of getting. Let's make sure that if you have to get divorced, if a couple reaches the point where they say, okay, divorce is our best course, that, you know, all of these pieces are in place in a way that upholds the way the, the Gemara and the Halakha present it. I feel like this last half is kind of where I would have hoped to begin. I mean, that's maybe not fair, but it works well for a Hadron, right? We're going to come back to it knowing that we've now reached this end. Now let's go begin getting again. I mean, maybe in seven and a half years, right? The idea that there's this, it, 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 the end of this Masachet informs the whole of it. I would like to learn it again with that information or that, that sense of it you know, before my eyes as I go through it again. Yeah, but I, I, I understand what you mean, That, but I, I think it's good that it's at the end because it's sort of telling you, like, we went through all the halacha and now let's really pause to think about what this really actually means. All right, hadran alayach, masachikitin, hadran alayach. So we will return to you again, as you said, Anne. That's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. 
Let us know what you thought about this app on our Talking Time on Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.